Hello and welcome to Can't Find My Way Home, the podcast where expats from around the globe talk about the music and art scene in their adopted home. I'm your host, Craig. In this episode of Can't Find My Way Home, I was joined by Michael Brinkworth. Michael talks us through his expat journey from Australia to Berlin, via the Americas and more. We talk musical influences, busking in Brisbane and the transition from playing in bands to becoming a solo performer. We get into the making of Michael's new album, Wasted Wonder, the excellent video accompaniments, bar busking in Berlin, feeling the harmonica, playing live post-lockdown and the folk scene in Berlin. The top five features ABBA, Hair Metal, Axl Rose, Twain, Paul Westerberg, Mogwai and the Flaming Lips. Fantastic. All this and why living in a shed is cooler than it sounds. Let's get right to it. Michael Brinkworth. Well, I think like a lot of Berliners, I just kind of ended up here. I just, I was just traveling around uh, for a good few years. I guess since about, I don't know, 2009, 2010, I, I was hitchhiking around Australia and then uh, I was just tr- kind of really starting to do music a bit more and busking around and then I took that over to the States and then I was going around there and around generally like the Americas, like North America, Central America, or- all over for a good year and a half or two and then eventually I got to Europe and yeah I just kind of ended up Berlin was like one of the first places in Europe I ended up I remember I had a flight from Seattle to Reykjavik and uh when they back when they had that Air Berlin airline Mm. and then uh, I was just just and then I just ended up in Berlin after uh just because along my travels you know a lot of people were like oh you're going to Europe well Berlin's a pretty alternative kind of place so I just sort of ended up there I didn't really know anyone besides like one friend my mate Sam Dow like he was just and he I didn't even know him he was just like the older brother of this other mate who'd like crash on our couch for like six months in Australia <laughs> it's kind of innocuous um, right it's like uh, yeah, yeah, it's the yeah. kind of guy I met our party once and, uh, yeah. yeah yeah and then <laughs> and then he to took yeah, we yeah exactly. We, we he took me to to um, this Madame Claude, which was uh, it's a great little bar in Kreuzberg, and all the all the furniture like on the ceiling. It's you know, and uh, it's got uh, this basement in the in the like underneath, and it's uh, you feel like Bob Dylan in the '60s playing in there, and uh, it's a dead quiet room. That was just the open mic, and I, I just met a load of people just on the open mic. Uh, yeah, first or second day I was in Berlin, and then actually to this day, like some of them are still my closest friends. And uh, even though the scenes like evolved since then, and uh, I'm not really, I haven't been to Madame Claude in ages, but like it's just, it kind of went from there, and I met a lot of people, and and then I was just traveling around like Europe, and and uh, and I something kept on pulling me back to Berlin, and uh, after a couple of times uh i went back to australia for a bit and then eventually i think in 2013 i thought okay i'll try to live here for a bit that was, that was like this thicker twist kind of moment yeah yeah i think yeah 2013 was like the year that i was like okay i'm gonna try and do music you know 
before that, it was like kind of incidental to my travels. That's a nice segue in there, Michael. How about yeah. the, the musical journey? Then you come from a musical background yourself. Like, was there always music about the house or records getting passed around from siblings or mates? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, my parents were kind of into a lot of really great music. Yeah, my dad plays a bit of guitar and a bit of harmonica, but he didn't really play it much when I was growing up. Uh, I, I have vague memories when I was like super young, but yeah, but the, he was really into like the prog rock, all that kind of stuff, but also like Neil Young. So Neil Young was like, uh, I remember when he first played me Harvest and that was like a quite uh, an important, yeah, significant moment for me. Uh, I think I was probably about, wasn't until I was about 13 or 14. I think by that age, you kind of get it anyway, right? You know, that's. Yeah, a bit, a bit younger than that. You, you're aware of it, uh, yeah, whatever it is musically. But you're aware of it, or you remember hearing it, like it could be old Motown records or whatever it is. But it maybe doesn't, it doesn't stick with you. It just kind of, uh, yeah, you just wonder. Yeah, you get that moment. No, exactly. Uh, yeah, before I was about twelve or thirteen, I was like completely oblivious to music. Actually, like I just remember my sister listening to all the stuff in the 90s you know like the spice girls or whatever and <laughs> and then uh that was i mean that, that that stuff's like that was when pop music was like you know it was yeah totally. there was something to it you know yeah no i just ended up uh i won some prize in school at the end of the primary school and then i it was like a cd voucher for like hmv or something and then i just picked out a cd that i didn't know what it was and it was uh just like the picture of it. It was internationalist by this band called Powderfinger, which is, uh, they're from Brisbane actually. So, and they're like probably one of the biggest bands from Australia uh, of like from the nineties, early two thousands. I remember just listening to that and being like, what's this? And then my dad kind of, he'd never heard it either. And he sort of approved it. And that's when he, when he saw that I was like into that, then he was like, oh, I should play you Neil Young. And, and then one thing led to another. And my mom's more into like, she was more into like Bob Dylan and Tom Waits. Like my dad couldn't really stand those guys. He didn't like their voices and stuff. It's but a bit ironic was... like a Neil Young, right? <laughs> it's kind yeah, of... yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah, I know. Something about Neil. Like my dad kind of looks like Neil Young. It's weird. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, uh, yeah. So there was like that mix. And there's all the other stuff you grow up with too. Like we, sure. there was like always like, I don't know, Tracy Chapman and like Phil Collins and stuff like that in the background, you know, before I knew what music was. And yeah, somehow it just, yeah, led to, uh, I, I didn't really pick up the guitar properly until I was like probably 14. Yeah. Was it quite a, a natural transition for you then? Did you pick it up and then really never put it down since? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I was forced to play the cello when I was like nine. I mean, I wasn't forced, but like I, I was. Yeah. You know, <laughs> that's so quite brutal. Yeah. It was just like it was just it was just kind of like uh, like hey, do you want to play the cello? And I was like, I don't know, I don't know what a cello <laughs> is. Yeah, why not? And then uh, I did that, and then I was playing the piano for like about two years. But I yeah, I didn't like the teacher at all. Like she just seemed really I don't know. I just something about her. Uh, I, I dreaded going to the to the lessons so that only lasts about two years and then i don't know yeah i was i got into a period i think a lot of kids around this time around the late 90s early 2000s i got into a period of like rap and uh new metal and all this stuff 
Yeah, I think that's when my dad kind of took me aside and was like, hey, you should listen to Neil Young. And then I was like, what's this? And then and then I was listening to more of the contemporary stuff as well, like, uh, I don't know, Red Hot Chili Peppers and Foo Fighters and all that. And then it just ended up being, yeah, just getting on the guitar. I had a mate in school. He was like Jimmy Page. So he le- he taught me. My dad taught me, like, rhythm. He's a good rhythm player. And then I had this mate in school, and he was, like, teaching me all these licks. Yeah, let yeah, I fourteen, fifteen I didn't do anything but play guitar. That was like, you know, I feel like I've 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 haven't really got better since then. It's just maybe I've got gradually worse. <laughs> I'm trying to think of a diplomatic thing to say you plateaued early. Maybe that's yeah, what it yeah. was. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it's uh no, it's interesting to, to find out how it how it all kind of began and you're primarily a solo artist at the moment or how, how does it work with your with your music just now so i know uh, listening to the the songs from your wasted wonder album there's a big list of musicians on it there there's horn section and uh, mm. the pedal steel guitar is fantastic it just it just works beautifully yeah. you know it's just yeah. sounds great it's just a great embellishment to it and a really nice part of the sound uh have you always been a band guy or uh, I would say so initially I was like obsessed with guitar and I and I was playing nothing but electric guitar and I was playing in a lot of pretty crappy bands in high school and uh, probably into the first year or two of university where I was the guitar player doing lead guitar and and all that and I never I never saw myself as the singer I just wanted to be the guitar player uh, but then. I don't know. I think I was about 16 or 17 and I I um I listened to the band Wilco for the first time, which mm. is to this day they're like my favorite band. Yeah, I think they just put out an album called the, A Ghost Is Born. I heard that and I just heard Jeff Tweedy's vocal and I was like, "Ah, oh. I was like I could probably sing a bit like that." And then Weird thing of like, oh well, if that's okay for singing, then I can I could probably do that. And then I started to sing just myself, like in my room, in my bedroom. Yeah, that's when I started to write songs. I wrote a lot of songs where like that I never showed to anyone, and I'd only sing them for myself. And I had this old eight-track Tascam recorder, and so I recorded a lot on there. Yeah, so I was playing in bands, but I was doing kind of like more singer-songwritery stuff at the same time, and I still didn't have any confidence to be like, "Hey, I, I could, I could be the singer," you know. And even so, like we had a couple bands where the the guy who sang was really bad, you know. And we all kind of knew it, but I just didn't want to do it anyway. Yeah, yeah, and uh, that you know, whoever was the confident one, basically. Yeah. And then uh, it wasn't until about I was 22, uh, so right at the end of university. I had this mate, uh, Paul, who was on exchange from the States, and he was like a bit of a Jim Morrison character. And we were, he was needing to make some money, and he was like, how about we go busking? I'd never been busking before that. And he was like, how about we go busking down in the valley or the city in, in Brisbane? And I just was like, oh, no, I'm not, I don't think I'm, good enough to do that you know like you got to be like pretty good and and he was like he was just like get over yourself man like it doesn't matter like no one no one gives a shit about you you know like just this we're just gonna have some fun yeah really kind of like i was like oh yeah okay all right and so then we would we would go down and busk the valley 
I would just mainly be the guitar player and like sing along in the choruses. And then I kind of realized that he wasn't even much of a singer either. He just had like lots of charisma. Flashy yeah. Americans, eh? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Like he would definitely like stop, get a crowd going. And um, yeah, you need to kind of to know how to work them up, especially if you want to make a few quid, right? Because yeah, yeah, we yeah. We, we, had, we definitely had like the rock and roll thing going then, and we were like heavily into like uh, Rolling Stones, Exile on Main Street, that kind of vibe. Yeah, and we sort of had a band going as well, but every time we rehearsed in the I lived in, I used to live in this two car old garage in the back of this. Yeah, everyone thought it was a squat, but we actually paid rent. We had like this old Queenslander house and we had all these couch surfers coming in and from all over the world, they were all staying. It was called, the place was called The Forest. And I, I, I lived in a shed with, uh, and it was big enough for two cars. We had a pool table and like a, a whole band set up there. So we would always like rehearse there, but the, that every time without fail the police would come uh because of noise complaints and then uh so we never really got that far with that band but that's uh, how you earned your stripes Michael, i think yeah <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't until that and then when i, I kind of when i was 22 i kind of i hit the road and i started hitchhiking me and paul we, we hitchhiked down to sydney we had so much stuff with us he had a surfboard, guitar, I had a guitar, I had a big suitcase. I even had a suit because I thought I was going to try and get a real job. He ended up flying back to the States and then I just kept on going like around Australia, hitchhiking and busking everywhere. And then he and and in that time, just in that year, I got pretty good because I was I was like, well, I've got to start singing now. Yeah, that's kind of how it happened. And th- so then I was like more singer songwriter and then I was going around with the acoustic. So, so it was just. It wasn't like I decided to be like folky. It was just more because I had, I, that's what I was traveling with, guitar. And, and it's only since I got to Berlin that I met all my bandmates. And then, you know, I was into bands like the Rolling Stones and the band and all this. So it's kind of, it felt, it made sense. A lot of the songs I write just kind of, they sound better with the band. So, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> have, Sorry, have, that was very long-winded. <laughs> it's even longer than my question. Well done, but That's... <laughs> There's something really familiar but really distinctive about the the sound you have. Uh, the song was like, you know, I mean, you have to get Liguria. my Liguria, Liguria, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And of course, the the most recent one that you, uh, I've watched the video a few times, the thick skin mm. sound yeah. as well. But there's a kind of really. Yeah, you can picture it as you just described there, like the band or a little bit of Dylan or a bit of Neil Young or there's the kind of these, or even uh, Wilco for that matter, that you get yeah. these kind of, for choice of a better word, folky elements to it, but there's still something new to it. You know, there's a real kind of freshness and kind of vibrant sound you've got there. Thanks. Yeah, that's good to hear. That's that's what we're going for. <laughs> It's not easy to find, right? Because it takes yeah. a while. people think you just turn up and you're like, "Oh, I know a guy that plays trombone. Oh, great! All right, bring him over, and we'll yeah." You know, and then all the magic all happens. I mean, but... that's sort of how it's all happened, though. Like we haven't. It's the uh, the don't whole spoil thing. it for them, man. Yeah, <laughs> don't let the secrets out. <laughs> but yeah, you, I, exactly. Sorry, go on. You were going to say that's how it, it happened. You yeah. I mean, well, after I put out the last, so I did the last album. The, the last album, which was technically, I guess, my debut, I mean, I, I kind of, I've, I've recorded, I've done a lot of, like, recordings where I just, like, burnt the CDs myself and everything, but, like, uh, the last album was sort of the first 
proper one and that was with uh gray record records and that one just came out of i got some free studio time at uh at the funk house studios which is a really good studio out in the east of berlin they've had like big gigs there where like you know bonnie Ver and all that are playing and but i just had you know was in one of the there's there's a music school there and my mate michael bennettson he he just offered me some studio time and we even my yeah we we just had that band we just got it together for that recording session and we we just played a gig i think we played a gig two gigs before it and then just we we had a four-hour session and we just recorded michael was like oh yeah it sounds pretty good you want to do some overdubs and see what happens and we didn't even that wasn't meant to be an album it just happened because it w- it ended up being a really good session and then we and it was live and and then that turned into the album and uh and then i i didn't know about putting out albums or anything so i'd already booked the release show before we'd even mixed the thing and so that's how that happened and then when we did the release show he put me in touch with a couple of bandmates like uh, tim Grambacher and fritchoff brandt and then i had my old band the wreckhead so it was like Temple Hayes and uh, and Hal Strew and Stefan Bregenzer and they sort of like came together. After we put that album out, we did a bunch of gigs and uh, some touring and stuff and it just kind of made sense to to uh, use that lineup uh, for this record, for these recordings, you know. I, I kind of wanted to, sorry, I'm going on. I, I'm realizing Good I'm going on. We played a lot of gigs the last three years and so together in various combos, but a lot with those guys those six or seven guys i and i knew i'm realistic you know we're not we're all from different places so i don't know i don't think this band is going to be like we're not going to be going on forever so i i wanted the wasted wonder album i wanted that to be like a showcase for that band you know like oh this is what we've been doing live for like the last couple of years you know because who knows what's going to happen like especially now with like the pandemic and all no, that. No, we've added that to the mix. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. I, I mean, I think we're all very, we're all brothers. So, like, we we will all keep playing together in some way or another. But like, I don't know. You know, it's it's hard being a musician, and it's hard. It's really hard. I don't want to sound like woe is me, but like, it's hard to do anything with a band these days. It's just yeah. like kind of. I, I think I'm for, glad I think that, for the uninitiated, or maybe that's not a very polite way to put it, but the. Yeah, the people who maybe did, they doesn't cross their uh, doesn't cross their mind what musicians do or what they go through or it's all a bed of roses and all that to use the old Bon Jovi line, but it's kind of yeah. it's uh, yeah, it's a hard slog, man. It's uh, of course it's yeah. our choice to do it, right? As as musicians, yeah. there's no one really, as you said about the cello, no one forces you to do it or makes you do it, but it's what you love to do, and it's after a while you probably couldn't see yourself living without it. Yeah, well, it's got to that point now, like, uh, to quote Tom Waits, I think the, he was in some talk show and he said, they were like, why did, so how did you, a guy like you end up being like in the entertainment business, you know, like, uh, you got a pretty, you know, weird kind of voice and, and he was like, well, it was either that or a career in air conditioning and refrigeration, you know. <laughs> it's like it's it's got to that point, like nothing else matters really. That mm-hmm. Everything else is like mundane. And now I'm kind of, you know, I'm in into well into my 30s now. So it's kind of like uh, I'm, I've sort of dug myself a hole. Like uh, all I got is music and uh, and I'm just, I'm just going to keep on going with it because, uh, yeah, I don't really know what else to do, but... Now it's a case of being realistic and just figuring out how to how to go about it, have like some kind of make some kind of living from it. But 
um, but not also be like completely deluded and think that you can, you know, you're going to be the next big thing or anything like that. That's like an, another nice way in there. You're setting me up for these quite nicely, Michael. The, ah, the, the other, the other kind of element that really adds to the music is some of the the videos that go alongside it. Not so much the live performances that you'll find on YouTube, but the Wasted Wonder video, which is a yeah, it's a nice kind of. A, light hearty you know it's 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 a fun video right that's yeah yeah uh, we won't give too much away about the the story like but it's a nice fun video and it goes well with this song but you have to forgive me what's the song where it's been edited so it's like a zoom oh yeah cool that, I, that one's I, called I um that one's called good old feeling it's great yeah it's, it's really it's, uh, the, as i said before the two things go brilliantly you know visually and musically yeah that one um was completely spontaneous that was like towards the more in the like the very first lockdown that we had during the pandemic and you know everyone was on zoom calls and uh, and i think it was like yeah i guess we made it around about may last year so it was like a couple months into the pandemic yeah so i was trying to like mock the whole zoom call thing i just thought yeah it's a really just uplifting song so if uh, i'm ever going to get anyone to like any kind of crowd participation sort of song that's going to be the song and um to my surprise yeah i just put the word out on like instagram and uh yeah a bunch of fans and friends really just got behind it and uh did sent me some ridiculous footage and uh yeah <laughs> the, guy said in the toilet played the banjo's priceless man yeah he's in scotland like actually so my mate nick scully was the one who who made the he did all the put in the gazillion hours to do all the editing work because we got way more footage than we than we actually needed but we also wanted to try to include everyone so so it was like this uh, and we had a lot of fun like editing it but it took a long time we ended up yeah and nick nick is uh he he kind of grew up in aberdeen so there's actually like a, he's got a lot of mates in it too so there's a whole like bunch of scottish people who <laughs> got introduced to my music just because of this video so that was pretty cool i mean was and, there any kind of prompts you gave them or any kind of like uh so you'd, you'd say that he is the song and this is what we're going to do but did they come up with the ideas or did you find a, a, a middle ground together I think I I actually was very to organized. keep it so different because it's quite diverse you know the video there's a lot of people in the video you notice that now that you mentioned there's a lot of different yeah. people in the video and yeah, I, um, I I think what happened was that we, I actually got a bit organized. I made like a little document and everything. And I just said like, hey, this is, you know, we just want it to be like really kind of sort of happy-go-lucky sort of video. And I, I think I listed a few things that people could do, but I basically just said like, you know, just don't, just, just look ridiculous. Like do whatever you want to do and, and, you know, don't worry about it. Like uh, it's going to, in the mix it's just going to be like ridiculous and it was cool like some of the things just worked out where we could kind of edit them and like one person's like running out of one shot and then going into another and yeah i don't know we just it was a lot of fun i i, I really uh enjoyed making that generally with videos and stuff so we, we were just talking about the, the the thick skin video did you come up with a concept with that or was it a collaboration so my brother Alex Brinkworth, he he's a filmmaker and he had the concept for that. So he just said to me, he's helped out. Uh, he's he's like made like a lot of my videos, Alex with our mate Nick Scully. And Nick Scully has got this new 
I'm just going to give a plug here, Fruit Salad Productions. And they're, they're, they're doing a lot of great music videos for like people in the scene now. But it all kind of started from these videos that they were working on for me. And so Alex, he um, just had the idea. He was like, oh, yeah, so thick skin, like it could be like you like bar busking because the song is kind of about bar busking, which is a thing that I do in Berlin when I don't have gigs. You go around to the bars and the restaurants and you just play uh, a little impromptu set and then and then you've got your hat out for donations. It's really something that I wouldn't imagine doing anywhere else, but uh, here it's like a thing. And I've been doing it for years, so I have like a network of bars and restaurants that they kind of all know me and they, when I come around, they're like, yeah, come and play. And so it's really cool because I get to... Yeah, I just have this kind of spontaneous thing that I can do to to make a little bit of cash on the side as well, you know. And the the song I kind of wrote about that, but it's also just about the artist in general, just in the in the struggle. And so Alex was like, "Oh, well, how about you're like bar, you're kind of like playing in a bar, but you are having like it's play with that metaphor, and people are like not giving a shit really, and not really listening." We've all so, been there, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then like, so it's kind of like they're taken off. You've got to put in, put on all these layers, and mm. have a thick skin to to really right. uh, to do it. And then so and then we he came up with the strip tease concept. It's gonna be like you know going around in the undies and and when he told me, I was like, oh, that sounds hilarious. Yeah, yeah, no, let's do that. And then when it came to the shoot day, there was like about 20 people on the shoot. This is pre-corona times, by the way. And they're having to go down the street, like in the middle of Berlin. And and I was just like, oh, yes, you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, how did I get talked into this? But <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if you're going to do it anywhere in Berlin, it's, it's no big deal. Like no one blinks an eyelid. <laughs> That's fair enough. Then. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> i got to ask you about the harmonica. So basically my poppy, like my, my dad's dad, he, he was a harmonica player. I mean, he even played like the, the chromatic harp. So I have memories of him playing it when I was like really young. And then, uh, and my dad plays a bit of harmonica as well. And my uncle, Uncle Neville. So there was, I was aware of the harmonica from a young age. But when I started playing guitar, and especially when I started listening to Neil Young, I was like, oh, I gotta try and play harmonica. I was trying. I think my dad had a harmonica or two, and I just wasn't. I wasn't really getting it. And then I kept on asking him, like, "What's the deal with the harmonica? Can you like show me how to do right, it?" Yeah. And then um, my dad just always just said, like, "Oh, you just gotta feel it. Like, I can't really, can't really tell you how to play it. You just gotta feel it." I was just <laughs> thanks, like, you know, was "Yeah, like, yeah." I was like, "Yeah, thanks a lot, Dad." And then um, so I didn't. Yeah, I just yeah, I just kind of gave up on it, and then a, and then a, a couple of years later, or when I was on my travels in the states, I was working on this farm for a bit, and I met this guy from New Orleans, and he was like, uh, he had this crazy story, and he was a great harmonica player, blues harmonica player, and then we were jamming together uh, around the campfires every night, and he he kind of sparked my interest, and then my mate Brian Grayson, who's also a great songwriter and i've been uh roaring around the world with him for like the last 10 years here and there and everywhere uh, he was also playing harmonica too and then i guess at that point i i was like all right i gotta do it and i got some harps when i was in the states and then i i was busking on the street 
with them for a while and just you know when you start you're just blowing in the mm. get the in the right key and you, you're playing like wagon wheel or something like that and you're just playing on a g yeah and then i just really kind of i don't know it just happened it just uh, as in like i got i was i came back to neil young neil young basically t- taught me harmonica like because he's such a melodic harmonica player right. yeah, i think exactly. i think bob dylan teaches harmonica and neil young teaches you how to actually play it <laughs> um so because bob dylan's like so abrasive i i don't know i just learned like tons of bob dylan songs with and like learn all the just how to, and then you just eventually you get the single note and then eventually you can do bends and now every time that's like the most common question you get when you're playing a gig and then someone comes up to you and they're like oh wow i love how you play harmonica with the guitar and that's great that's not so many people do that these days. When someone comes up and they're like, how do you do it? They're like, you know, what is the, what's the trick? And then that's what I say to them now. It's just like, you oh, have just to feel, feel it. it. Yeah, <laughs> you just got to feel it. That's, that's it. your punchline there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About that. <laughs> what are your plans for the future? And so the Wasted Wonder album came out fairly recently, and uh, this year. Mm, yes, in uh, the end of May this year, yeah. And are you going to be playing some shows with it in the summer now that we can go back out and um, do stuff yeah. in, a, in, a, in a live context? Yeah, well, that's definitely, uh, I, would, I, I wish I could say like, yes, I have uh, everything booked. and uh, But I guess after this last year and a half, I've I sort of uh, at some point lost all hope with booking gigs because it just kept on being that they were getting postponed. And so I... I sort of gave up on booking gigs for a while and now things are finally opening up and now it's looking potentially like, you know, it's going to be fine. Uh, so now I'm, re- I'm finally looking into actually booking gigs, but I haven't got any- I've got a release show that I've been po- constantly postponing at, at Barter House Simpler, but I can't even say the date of it. So there will be a big release show for, for the album with my whole band, uh, but I don't think it's going to be until autumn touch wood but that's a really nice venue so that'll be good what about some new stuff you're working on is there anything in the pipeline there's yeah there's a lot of new stuff i'm working on because it, for the precise reason that like yeah it's hard to know about booking gigs so yeah i'm already well i or, i kind of put out a, a lo-fi album just on um on Bandcamp, and that's like just a really stripped back like on recorded to four track um tape with uh, my bandmate tim grambacker who also mixed wasted wonder and now where a couple of us are going to get together um at a friend of a friend's barn outside of berlin in uh, early september and we're gonna just literally i've got like a, sh- a ton of um, demos and we're just gonna go through them all and and just see what works what work on arrangements and see what works for the next album but i also the next album i want to put out a solo album and also i'm going to put out a um a band kind of album but i think it's going to be different from the last one from this wasted wonder like it's going to be it'll still be like recorded initially pretty live but like with wasted wonder there was a lot of songs where it was like all six of us recording at the same time and i think uh logistics wise wasted wonder was it's great that we did it that way but it was also really expensive <laughs> I, I blew through so much studio time so but i'm really excited about the next album I, i'm i've got two albums that i want to record so <laughs> So, yeah, we'll see. I'd say 
Uh, just from my experience in Berlin over the last eight years, it's got a relatively, I think, kind of small folk scene, but it is the most open and welcoming scene. It's really thriving at the moment, I think, uh, just... particularly in the last couple of years, even with the pandemic now. But so I already mentioned Madame Claude. Madame Claude was like the, that's was my first initiation into the scene here. And that sort of came out of the anti-folk movement actually. And so that's a whole different crowd. But like, uh, and then uh, you've got Kindle Steuben, Kindle Steuben, open mic, my mate, uh, Dave Stuart Angleton. He's been running that for about four or five years now. And that has been a real hub for at least folk-based musicians. And then my mate James Michael Rogers, he's been, uh, he had the Noilish sessions going for a while. I don't know if that's going to still be going, but he's had the space sessions at Space Medusa. And then my mate Connor Kilkelly as well, he's been, he's had the uh, quite a few different sessions going on. I think he's got the Gutter and Gutter sessions now up in 800A. So there's all these like, weekly or bi-weekly or fortnightly um, sessions that are happening, uh, whether they're open mics or just like regular gigs that um, that you can get on. Yeah, it's just really a lot of the same kind of crowd is like going between them, but also there's a, like a good crowd of like, like there's a good audience as well. Like it's not just like musicians um, going to watch each other. There's That's, normal people there too, eh? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need the normal people. <laughs> Pain punters, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and and now, like, and my, my band's been playing a lot at Barbobi the last few years as well. That's, that's uh, we've, and I, I did all these tribute nights there as well. Like, we did, uh, I don't know, six tr- tribute nights, and I don't know if they're going to get get going again, but we did a Neil Young one and lots of other ones, and... There's a real scene here, so that's cool. And like compared to, I don't, I can't really compare it to much else because like, I know, I know Melbourne music scene a little bit and uh, Brisbane music scene. Every other scene I've been in, it's just always been as someone who's passing through. So yeah, but compared to like Australia anyway, I think it's like way more open. It's way more open to just doing like original stuff here, you know. Uh, how about uh, top five then? How about a guilty pleasure? Ah, uh, guilty pleasure. I don't know. It's a tough one. Guil- uh, guilty pleasure. Okay, I'm going to say... I don't know if it's even a guilty pleasure because it's just good. Like ABBA. ABBA's great. Like, it's uh, fairly guilty and good at the same yeah. time. I think any cool yeah, measures. Yeah, like eh? Dancing Queen or something like that. Like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll start singing along to that straight away, yeah. There's a... a- I think fairly recently I saw a video that the guy who played bass on the original ABBA stuff or the early ABBA stuff, he maybe passed away not that long ago. And it was one of these videos. He was on like a Swedish chat show or something, whatever this old guy's name was. But he was it was a few years ago this was recorded. And it's just him playing the bass to Dancing Queen, I think it was, and all that stuff, you know. And the guy, the TV host, is just like, he's just kind of mesmerised by it. He's like, wow, you know. Can't remember the old guy's name, but it's well worth checking out. Yeah. Definitely will. Yeah. The on the other side of that, then who's um, someone you don't get, Michael? Someone you maybe thinks a bit overrated, or you're just kind of just over the top of your head, you know? Yeah, well, that's a tough one. Probably like Guns and Roses or something like that. Like I'm not like the the 
Yeah, like I mean, I, I, they've definitely got some great tunes, and they're definitely like a big. They were a big band back in the day. I think uh, Axel Rose just is an asshole. Though. I mean, that's that, yeah. like, that kind of goes without saying. That he's just yeah. like a real a real knob. But yeah. uh, you know, you can't yeah. really. Yeah, I think I mean hair metal in general, all that stuff. I guess it's also easy to like not get into that as well. So I don't know if that's like. I don't know if that's something that like everyone was loving in the first place, but yeah, that's what I can think of off the top. I love the sound of Guns N' Roses. I mean, just the appetite for destruction is just a great album, and it's just really, really, really loud when you play it. Really, yeah, yeah, really yeah, loud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just have this kind of wall of sound coming at you and all that. And I think Axel Rose's voice is okay in that yeah. context. And then he also did a tour with ACDC, right? So he started playing all the Bon Scott stuff with them. Because oh, yeah. either Brian Johnson couldn't do it or it just wasn't his thing. It was at the weird time when Dave Grohl was also sitting on his throne. Remember, he'd knackered his, he'd broken his leg, so he was sitting on a throne. Oh, but right. Then I think Axel Rose had done something similar, so there was all this kind of weird thing going on with people sitting in big thrones and, yeah, being rock stars. So. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, Axel Rose has this reputation for like, turning up two hours late for the show and all that. It's already there, but he's just can't be asked or whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's kind of like this, yeah, the yeah. iconic rock star kind of. The kind of reputation yeah. goes before yeah. you and all that. Yeah. Tell us someone you should be listening to then, Michael. Whoa. Um, oh, there's there's a lot, but off the top of my head. Uh, yeah, and give us something new for the playlist, man. Okay. I, w- I would say Twain. Uh, Twain is... Uh, when I first listened to Twain a couple of years ago, it just blew my mind. And uh, he's been putting out quite a few albums. Rare Feeling, I would say Rare Feeling is the album to listen to if you've never listened to him before. Just a, He's an incredible um, instrumentalist as well. He also plays with a lot of other people. Uh, he plays with like uh, Courtney Marie Andrews and plays with a lot of the the guys in like Big Thief and and like oh, yeah. um, you know like Buck Meek. He's been, he's on the latest Buck Meek album, doing like pedal steel and all that. Yeah, incredible musician, incredible songwriter, incredible voice. Just blown away by I I when I listen to him, I'm like, how do people not know about this guy? Because like. He's he's sort of known, like he's on the Keeled Scales uh, record label out of Austin, Texas, but like in really small kind of circles, you know. He's not as big as like Big Thief or something, you know. I would also just, if I can say another one. Um, oh, it's all yours, man. I would say Paul Westerberg from, oh, yeah. from The Replacements. The Replacements, yeah. Yeah, I'm a big Replacements fan and... And I love the replacements, but I love Paul Westerberg's solo stuff. And again, he's like, he doesn't give a shit about the industry and all that. And he just kind of, he had these, this string of albums in the early 2000s where he's just like recording in his basement, just with like literally just all himself, just on like a four track. And it sounds so rock and roll. It's, and the songs are so good. They're like so catchy and and just they're really emotive and like he's I didn't come to the replacements and Paul Westerberg until a little bit later like after Wilco and all that but mm. I now I the, the link is like so strong and uh, yeah I'm I'm always covering Paul Westerberg and people are like what's that song is that your song and I'm like no nah, it's Paul Westerberg you got to check him out good man spread the word yeah go to karaoke song 
Karaoke song. Whoa. It depends on how eclectic the playlist is on the karaoke, but I would say I have in the past, I, I would do uh, the band um, up on Cripple Creek because that's just like, it's just, you can just belt it. As if it's like not as eclectic as that, doesn't have the band on it, then I'd probably do like Rolling Stone, Sympathy for the Devil, something like that. Nice. Yeah. All the like the full version, like all the woo, woo bits and everything. Like, yeah, like, yeah, get, go get everyone it, going. <laughs> get right, everyone going. Man. Why not? A venue you've played at, or a venue that you would recommend that we see someone performing. So, firstly, a venue that I played at. I probably, I go. I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you one like favorite that I played at, and mm. and then probably better to also recommend a venue for people to see an act in, but. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I've played lots. I've played so many random places. So, like, uh, well, uh, you you must have played a fair few shows in your time. It must be said, right? You probably don't yeah. count anymore. <laughs> yeah, and, I uh, I'm sure you've played some interesting places. Yeah, I've, I guess like some of the most the best shows have been probably like even like house concert scenarios, you know, or where where this the it's like really intimate, or maybe. Um, I played a couple of churches, like I played the church in um, like uh, the in Dublin, and uh, and that was a really that was like my first, I think my first gig in Ireland, and and uh, was with the Ocelots, and they were, um, yeah, I, I just met them, and and they um, they were like, oh yeah, you want to come and we're putting out an EP, you want to open up, and I almost like I was the bus was like running late from wherever I was and then uh and I, I literally just turn up I had my backpack and I literally like I was opening you know so uh and there was like 200 people in there and this church really nice church uh, and I literally just like ran down the aisle and I dropped my bag and uh and I got my guitar out and like pretty much plugged in and played so it was like that was kind of a hilarious gig and it you know it went pretty well <laughs> wow that was so random yeah i'm ready to go anytime yeah. <laughs> um i love barbobu here only because like that's where our band has played like probably like 15 or 20 shows and i played all the tribute shows here so barbobu has a special play, place in my heart just because of that and it's like a real it's so like cozy tiny bar but it's 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 great and the the guys running it are really cool and i will say in terms of a venue that i love that i've seen some acting i would say the waldbühne in berlin it's like a, it's out west and it's a it's a beautiful uh like 20,000 or 30,000 seat amphitheater and I've seen several acts there, include, but Neil Young I've seen there twice. And I remember 2016, I, I ended up writing a song about it, like the Force of Nature song on the album is kind of about after that show. That was like, yeah, I don't know, that was like a spiritual experience or something. Because also he was like playing with Promise of the Real, which is Lucas Nelson, son mm -hmm. of Willie Nelson yeah. and all those guys. So they're all kind of like my age and they're all like, looking up to their hero and so they got all this energy and neil young's like he had all this energy because he was like feeding off this energy from the youngsters um who were keen and and so it was just explosive and like they played for like three hours uh yeah, proper, that, eh? that venue is a is a magical venue i've just seen some like great shows there well here's hoping we can get back to it sometime soon then eh like we you know yeah it might take a while but 
I can't wait to go to a really big show. Like, I want to, I don't know, I'd love, I'd love to go see, like, The Flaming Lips or something. Have you seen The Flaming Lips? Or I haven't. The Flaming no, Lips? They played in Seoul a few years ago, but I, know, I never made it, you know. But I like all that Yoshimi and the Pink Robots. I can't remember yeah. the name of the album, but uh, it's all about mad and trippy yeah. and all that. But great songwriting and great, that, uh, yeah. Yeah, great band. It's really, like, life-affirming stuff. Like, especially live, it's, like, incredible. I've seen them a few times, and, yeah, that's – I feel like if I go to that show when things open up, that's going to be like, okay, we're, we're back. You know? <laughs> right. All right, yeah. I wouldn't mind going to see Mogwai or someone like that also. Like Mogwai, live, yeah. I love Mogwai, yeah. People tell me about the show, like, they put on a fantastic uh, light show goes with it and all that kind of stuff with the yeah. Mogwai, you know, and you get the real – this, this, it's as loud as – my mate said it's just – unbelievably loud it's just like yeah you know, it's, how can you get something that it's that loud yeah like, i definitely want to see uh mogwai at some point i've seen Sigur Ross a couple of times and i'm i'm well into that sort of that that kind of i don't know i don't, I don't know i'd put those two bands in the same kind of category even though they're mm. different but like just um atmospheric you know yeah. good weird i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 Weird good, I don't know, whatever way it works, but yeah, I am I'm with you on that one. Yeah. Michael's been an absolute blast, mate. Yeah, I've I've had a great time having a chat with you. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to yeah, just uh let me ramble on. Like usually people don't let me ramble on this much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheers, Craig. And uh hopefully it. we catch up sometime. Yeah, I look forward to it. Like uh maybe at a gig or yeah, come for a pint. Sounds Sounds sweet. Paints always work. Yeah. <laughs> you can follow Can't Find My Way Home on Instagram at can't.findmywayhome, on Facebook at expat music pod. And of course, you can find us on Spotify, anchor.fm, Apple Podcasts. And wherever you get your podcasts from, you'll find us there. Until the next one, this is Craig saying, cheers.